0: Man, I was getting down back there. I was, I was busting some moves. <laughs> Which is dangerous, because with my back, that means sometimes I bust the back, too. So, um, Let me go over a couple of announcements real quick before we dive in. First, today after service is our perspective and new member luncheon. What that is, is uh, me and Brother Joe are going to sit down. We're going to go through our membership covenant, talk about the beliefs that we have as a church, talk about how membership works and let you guys ask any questions that you may have. We've been growing as a church and so um, we just wanted to give an opportunity for folks to come, ask questions. If they had any concerns, share those with us and make sure everybody's on the same page about what membership means here at Harmony. So if you are a new member or if you've been thinking about being a member or just want to learn about being a member, feel free to stay afterwards. we got lunch. Uh, We'll eat. We'll talk. We'll have some fun. All right. And then at the end of this month, on the 29th, it's uh, our family worship day. So at 11 o'clock, the Spanish congregation, the English congregation, and the children's church will all be together in service. And then afterwards, we'll have our big potluck and we'll have our business meeting. So keep those dates down. And uh, the only other thing I wanted to share was just thank you to everybody who came out yesterday for our work day. i finally have all the tire stops painted out there. And uh, I won't go into all my parking announcements that I make. You guys have heard those from me many, many times. All right. How are we doing today? All right, not bad, not bad, a little claps, okay, this side's doing better than that side. All right, let's work on that next time, they raised the game there, okay. They didn't just say yes, they clapped, so you guys realized next week you got to hoop and holler, all right. Uh, We are jumping back in to Exodus, so if you haven't been here this year, um, it's a common rule Uh, when you go through seminary about when you build a sermon series is that you only do sermon series that are six sermons long. You never want to go longer than that. Um, If you've been at Harmony for any time, you know I don't listen to that rule at all. We are on like sermon number 20 in the book of Exodus. We took like a month off for Easter, but we're back, baby. We are back in Exodus. And so I'm going to recap a little bit, and and it's a a really cool place that we're at, and I, I want you to really lock in today because when we look at Exodus, we're not just looking at a story of people who lived thousands of years ago called the Israelites wandering through a desert. We are watching the journey of God's people leaving an old life of sin and moving into a new life of holiness with God. And so while this journey takes place in a different country with people speaking different language, with different technology, it's the same journey you're on today. All of us, God finds us in a world where we are slaves to sin. He offers an opportunity out of that. And for the rest of our lives, we are on a journey away from that old sinful life into a new world of holiness, of love, and God's abundance. What we have to understand along that journey is, one, we've got to change. And two, we're going to get sucked back sometimes to that old way of thinking. And anybody who's been a believer for long enough, we've experienced that, right? We've had those moments where we know we don't want to be here anymore. We know this life is broken. We know this life leads to emptiness. But sometimes along this path, something happens, and we feel ourselves being pulled back to that old way. And so the reality for each and every one of us is we are all addicted to sin. And so every single day of our lives, we've got to be on guard. We've got to be ready to stand firm against those temptations and keep moving forward. Throughout this series, we've had three verses we've kept coming back to, and we call these the key to the series. And so what I've said is, I know, sadly, that each week you can't walk out of here and tell me all the points of my sermon. I know that most of you, if I catch you on, well, if I catch you at Sunday at 2 o'clock, you won't remember what my sermon was about. (laughs) What I'm hoping is after 20 weeks, you'll remember these three verses that are our keys to the series. And so the first one is this, in Luke 16, 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And what we've said throughout this is, underline money and replace it with anything else. You cannot serve God and anything else. You can only have one master. If there is anything else in your life that is your master other than God, you will be a divided person going nowhere. If we're going to be successful on this journey, He is the only voice, He's the only shepherd, He's the only guide. And when He calls, we go. The second thing we have to understand is found in Proverbs 3, verses 5-6. through Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. So what we acknowledge is we've grown up in this world of sin. Which means the rules, the regulations, the way of life, the common sense, the logic that's ingrained in us, it's wrong. It's backwards. And so as we're on this new journey with God, what you and I have to understand is sometimes what He's going to ask us to do will make no sense from the perspective of the life we're leaving. And so in those moments when God comes to us and he asks us to do something, you and I don't sit there and go, well, let me think about this. Is this logical? Have you ever found yourself doing that, right? God calls you, God instructs you, and you start thinking about it. Like, huh, should I do this? Does this make sense? Let's make a pros and cons list here. That's not how it works. What we admit is that old way of thinking, the way my brain functions, it's broken and wrong. So in those moments when I don't understand, I don't lean on my way of thinking, I lean on his. I trust in his way. This is where faith comes in. I may not get it, I may not have all the answers, I may not have the whole map, but I've heard God call me and I'm moving. I'm moving. One master, and I trust what he says. The third verse, First Peter chapter 1, verses 14-16. through As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So, I have chosen who my master is. I trust in the ways that he calls me. And along that journey... I change. I become something different. And brothers and sisters, what a lot of us break down is right here. We don't go all in. We hold back and we try to keep God as an advisor, as a consultant, not our master. And that's why you and I look in the mirror sometimes, 5, 6, 10, 15, 20 years in, and go, you know what? I'm really not that different than I used to be. I'm really not that different. It's like, let's be honest, is anybody in here do the uh, weekly workout that leaves you exactly where you were the week before? Anybody do that one? For years, that was part of my journey, right? I'd get on the treadmill, I'd do my time, and I'd get to the end of the week, and you know where I'd be? Exactly the same place that I was at the beginning of the week. No progress, zero. And you start to wonder, what's the point? Why am I doing this? I'm doing this work, I'm doing this effort, and where's it getting me? Nowhere. In those moments, don't just go back to the treadmill and do it again. Ask yourself why you're not progressing. Ask yourself why you're not changing. If we do these three things, there is no other outcome than for you and I to become something different. And so if we sit here and go, I'm not becoming something different, then what I can promise you is, you're not doing one of the other two. You're either not leaning on his understanding, or you've never really made him your master. You've just listened to him, you've taken some of his vice, you like some of his rules, you've cherry-picked the things you want to keep in your life, and you've thrown away those ones that are too difficult. That's not what God is inviting us to do. And we have to acknowledge that. Now, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip with me. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 today. In Exodus chapter 20, we are at a huge pivot point for the people of Israel. So let me recap where we've been, right? In the book of Exodus, we saw the people of God, the Israelites, start out in a place of slavery. They've lived in Egypt, and for 400 plus years, they have been slaves. They are treated less than human. They are beaten, they are tortured, they are used, and God has come to them and has offered them freedom. And throughout that whole early phase, what we have seen is we have seen God displaying miraculous creator power against a man who says he's God. We've seen him display the plagues, we've seen him cast out all these different abilities, we've seen him protect and guide the people. And now where we find them is God has shown deliverance. He's freed them. But now all those ex-slaves are looking around going, who are we? You've broken our chains from our old life. You've set us free. But now I look in the mirror and go, I don't know who I am. Have you ever had one of those transition points in your life? Like for a lot of kids, it was in high school, right? You build an identity in high school of who you are, right? You're the band guy, you're the nerd, you're the jock, you're the whatever, right? You've got your social clique, you've got your group, you've got your position, you have value that you bring to it, and then what happens? School ends, and the whole world's different, right? Often, it's tough for those guys who are at the top. Right? They were the quarterback, king of the castle, they ran the high school, they go off to college and it's like, you're one of a thousand freshmen, and you're nobody here. And not only has the rules changed, not only has their position changed, they don't know who they are anymore. Their identity was completely and utterly tied into these man-made roles and positions. And so even though the people of God would not like that role as slave, at least they had a role. They now sit in the desert and go, who, who are we? And so in Exodus chapter 20, what we see is God is beginning to form who his people are. The old identity has been shed and a new one is being built. So let's look at it. Exodus chapter 20. And they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of Him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So, a lot there. We have the Ten Commandments, which we've probably all seen. Posters of, monuments of, statues of. Some of you were probably taught them in school, right? These are not new to us. This is God's first endeavor to take his brand new people and instruct to them a set of rules and a way of life. Now, it's important for you and I to step back from these for a second because what we tend to do is we jump right in to a humanistic model of looking at this and what you and I go is, okay, so what rules do I need to take away? What behaviors does God want to see in me? It's so funny, in youth class we were talking about this this morning. You and I have this tendency that when we read scripture, the first thing we think about is us. What's this mean to me? Right? In and, and the sales world they call it the whiffem. What's in it for me? you got to hook people with what's in it for them as fast as possible. You know what happens? People lose attention. They don't care anymore. The reality, though, is, well, yes, there are rules that impact you and I's behavior. There's something bigger happening here. God is laying out the identity he wants his people to have. And what he's doing is he's contrasting his way of viewing the world with Pharaoh's. And what he's trying to show his people is that this is life. This is a new way to live, to think, and to act. Look with me at Psalm 1611. It says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What you and I, brothers and sisters, need to see before we dig into any of the meat here is what God is presenting here is the path of life. He's saying, you guys have functioned the old way, and where did it lead you? It led you to death. I come to give you life. And through my ways and through my rules, I will show you how to live. Now I don't blame you or I or anyone for when they first read these to not get that message. Right? Like, think of all the amazing parties that you've ever been to in your life. Now you guys are Baptists, so that shouldn't be very many. It should have only taken you about two seconds. <laughs> right? You should just right through them. Right? I when my, when my brother went to a Baptist um, high school, and he had prom, but there was no music, there was no dancing. And I was like, I don't think that's really prom. I, I don't think they know what prom means. Right, I mean so, when we think about these great parties that you went to long ago in your dark days, how many of them started out with a five minute, here's the rules of the party? Right, is that how great parties start? Guys, welcome to this place, it's gonna be awesome tonight. Everybody take your seats, let me walk through the 10 things we're not allowed to do tonight, all right? Is that how fun typically starts? No. So when you and I come to this list, there's two words we really listen to. Do not, 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 do not. <laughs> and when that happens, what you and I get is this picture of God as this angry, boring, old man who's like, no fun. No fun, right? It's why, to be honest, right, people who are in the church, if you had to guess how they think about Baptist people, do you think they think fun or not fun? Which way do you think they, we lean more in their perspectives? Right? I mean, I think I've told you this story before. I was dating a girl once a long time ago before Nicole. And, and considering it's our anniversary month I probably shouldn't even be telling this story but already started so
1: <laughs> we'll go there and about a
0: couple months in she was like so, so do you uh, do you dance? and I was like eh yeah. and she's like "What? Well, can you dance? and I was like not, not really good I mean I do but it's not pretty and she's like no you're not under Like, can you? and i 'm like uh, you 're losing me she 's like, "Are you allowed to like have you seen that Kevin Bacon movie? <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no, no i 'm not. If I start dancing, I burst into flames immediately. <laughs> God strikes me dead it 's done She <laughs> so had this picture I think was footloose right they 're like, hey you can 't dance if you 're Baptist." <laughs> She had this rule, like, she just had this view that there's no way these people can be fun because you're a people of rules. And there's a mentality that you and I have when we look at this to be like, here's the no fun patrol. But we need to step back and really look at what God's saying here, especially to these people. As we break these down, we realize there's something more beautiful here. This isn't about rules. This is about love. This is about life. In Exodus chapter 20, when we break it down, you see in the Ten Commandments, they're really broken out into four that are about God and six that are about people. And when you break these down, what you see is it's really about something much simpler. In the New Testament, they ask Jesus, they say, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second isn't like it. Love your neighbor as yourself." And then listen, pay attention to this. He then says, "All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments." It's amazing to me how many people memorize the first part of that. And they go, "Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, love your neighbor." but they miss the huge significance that last statement there says. All the law and all the prophets. Do you know what that means? They didn't call it the Bible back then. They called it the law and the prophets. What Jesus is saying to the people who are listening to him is all of scripture, all of it, hangs on two things. Love God, love people. That's it. Every law that God has ever given you is about two things. Love Him and love other people. And when we break down the commandments, we see that. The first four. Don't have other gods besides me. Don't use graven images to worship. Don't use my name in vain. And hey, set aside a day to be with me. What are those about? They're about loving God. Then you look at the second six. What are they about? Don't lie, don't steal, don't kill, don't covet, right? All things about don't have bad, broken relationships with other people. If you're killing other people, you probably don't love them. Right? If you look at other people and all you do is go, I want their stuff, you're probably not loving them. And so, all God is trying to establish here is that my people will be a people of love. They will love me and they will love others. And when you think about these words, you have to remember the setting these people had come out of. Remember, Pharaoh didn't just stand over the Israelites and say, I'm your boss. What did he say to them? I'm your God. I am a living God. And if you don't listen to me, I will wipe you from the face of this earth. And what was on his crown? A carved image of pagan gods that said he himself was God. What God was saying to these people is, there is only one God and it is I. You can't contain me in an image. You can't contain me in a shape. You cannot use me and conscribe me for your ways and your rules. Let's be honest. How many... Terrible leaders throughout history have taken the image of God and tried to use it as their tool. As their instrument to make us do things. What God's saying is, I can't be used by others. I am God. I am Master. Don't try to use me for your ways. I am above those. There is only one you worship, and it's me. You don't worship those who say they come in my authority, you worship me and me only. That's it. And notice, right, he says, I want you to rest, to have a day for me. And, and here's what you love about him. He's talking to slaves who sit there and go, oh, I know how this works. Right? There's always that rule for the bosses that never trickles down to the other people. Right? Have you ever seen those? Right? There's, there's a certain rule for the way the company works, except not for you guys. You guys, you can exclude that rule. And so what does God say about the Sabbath? He goes, my people will rest that day and all your animals, all your servants, anyone in your house, everybody in this land on this day will rest. There will be no caveats. There will be no loopholes. There will be no ways to escape this. I provide rest to all of my people. And why did that matter to the Israelites? Because they had been in a culture where plenty of people had rested, just never them. There was rules to protect everyone except them. And God was saying them, with me, it won't be that way. With me, the way I give you is all-consuming. It impacts everything. And so, brothers and sisters, what we see God doing here is he has broken these old chains and he's now bringing them into a brand new identity. And I want you to think about that because we've talked about this many times at this church. In America, there are as many people today who claim to be Christians as at any other point in history. But I think if we objectively look at our country, I don't think any of us think it's a Christian country. Is there anything about entertainment, music, anything about our culture that would make you go, these people love God. No. Nothing. So what's changed? What changed, in my opinion, is, is we have tried to pick and choose. We have a buffet approach to God. And we've tried to make Him fit our way of thinking. When you look at the story of Exodus... We understand step one, and I think everybody's okay with step one. Step one is an almighty, loving, powerful God coming in and going, I free you. I free you. You're a slave. You're in bondage. You're in chains. You have no one watching out for you, no one loving you, no one caring for you, and I come in, and with power you could never have, I break you free. And we love that. We love that. Because the majority of us who've been through life, we've hit the moment where we realize, I'm not good enough. Right? There's still a few of us out there who think we've got this, but the majority of us who've ran life go, ha, I am not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. I'm just not enough. I know that now. And so when somebody else shows up, breaks those chains, and sets us free, we go, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's why to me, I think Easter is one of the biggest days of church attendance. Everybody's fine with Jesus being their Savior. What's happening in Exodus 20, though, is we've transitioned from this. See, God's already set the Israelites free, right? He's already broke those chains from Israel. He's already had them cross the Red Sea. He's already defeated the army behind them. They now stand in the desert going, Who are we? And so step two happens, and that's where God, let me get to it, transforms you. In step one, God frees you. In step two, He transforms you. And when He transforms you, something changes. You're not just you anymore. You become something more than you. Now, a lot of us, we don't like this because do you know how transformation occurs? It occurs by you and me becoming his followers. It comes from you and you realizing, I can't do this. I can't be in charge. I can't lead the way. God, I let you. I let you lead. Now, there's a reason that this is so important to us, and God talks to us about this in Matthew. He said, he was talking about cleansing a man of a, a demon possession, and he said this. He says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through every places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And that final condition of the person is worse than the first. This is how it will be with that wicked generation. What's he saying? He's saying, if all I do is set you free and then let you go, do you know where you guys will go? Right back. In fact, often, you'll go to a worse place than you were when I found you. If all Jesus does is come in and one time saves you, you're still in a world of trouble. I mean, be honest, right? Like, Can you imagine if you only got enough forgiveness to take care of the sins up until the moment you accepted Jesus Christ? think about that, right? You've done all these bad things. You're a sinner. You go, I'm going to accept the Lord. And he goes, okay, I'm going to wipe out all your past deeds. We'd still be in a world of trouble, wouldn't we? Because, like, what would happen 10 seconds later? Sin number one. And now I'm back to carrying a debt that I can't pay. So, many of us We accept Jesus as the Savior who breaks us free from this old life. But then as we start this new journey, guess what we're still trying to do? We're still trying to be God. We're still trying to make the path. We're still trying to lead the way. And to be honest, what's scary about this, we've gotten good at doing this in Christian clothing. You see some of these pastors right and they're preaching like name it and proclaim it you tell God what you want and he'll make it happen I'm sorry in that relationship who's in charge if I can sit here and scream to God and go God make this happen and he does which one of us is master I'd argue it's me See, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make God a carved image. We're trying to make God this magical genie that kneels to our ability. That's paganism. All old paganism was, was you doing things to make a god in your debt. And then hoping when you needed him, you could call him in on that debt. You can say, hey, I've done all these things for you. Now it's time for you to pay off. I've worshipped you. I've sang praises to you. I've served you. I've given to you. I need you. Show up now. Make this happen. That is not you being the servant of God. That's you thinking God is your servant. That's why I tell you, be careful. Be careful when you pray that your prayers are not God. Here is my will. Make it happen. You better spend far more time on your knees going, God, reveal to me your will. Father, you show me your path. Father, you show me the steps I need to take, not the ones I have in my head. But so many of us, when we pray, are sitting there going, this is what I want. God, make it happen. We have to move forward to that next step. God has broken away the old identity. It's time to let him make us something new. We have to be transformed. If we don't do that, we don't understand this journey. If God just leaves right now, all he's done is freed some slaves who will die in the desert. That's not what he came for. He came to take a broken people and to make them a holy nation. He came to take slaves who had no rights and no authority and lift them up to the royalty that sits on the throne of God. He has called you to be Jesus' brothers and sisters. He has made you a royal priesthood. Brothers and sisters, that's not going to happen following your logic. That's going to happen when you follow His. And so as we transition in Exodus, this is where our new focus is. This is no longer about God showing that He can free you. He's done that. This is about God showing that He can transform you. And some of you, you don't want that. You have settled for the freedom. And now you just want to run your course and treat God like your holy insurance. That's not what we're looking for. And to be honest, it shouldn't satisfy you. It should leave you hungering for more. If you have your Bibles, flip with me to Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, there's a passage that I want us to go through. In Acts chapter 4, it talks about the disciples and it talks about them after Jesus has left. And it talks about Peter. Peter, the same guy that three times denied he even knew Jesus. The same guy that when they came to arrest him, turned tail and ran. It tells about this man now with the Spirit of God in him. And I want you to see how he's changed. I want you to see how he's not the man he was before. In chapter 4, we're picking up where these two have just healed the man. And it says, As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They arrested them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already even. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Cephas and John and Alexander, and all were of high priestly family. And when they had set them of the mist, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Now I want you to see that setting. They set everything up to intimidate Peter. They've called everybody in who has a position, who has authority, who has power. They've arrested them. they've let him sit in the tank for an evening, they pull him into this public setting, Everybody, power is around him, and they go, by whose power are you doing this? They expect in this moment to see the old Peter. They expect in this moment to see the man who ran. They expect to see in this moment the man who denied even knowing Jesus. They expect to see him be his old self. And brothers and sisters, you are in this position often. Often the enemy stands in a world that is built against you going, I'm going to make you act like old you. I'm going to make you act like you are. I'm going to make you that cowardly, afraid, weak, broken, sinful you that I know you are deep down. That's what they think is going to happen. But watch. Watch. It says in verse 8, then Peter... Filled with the Holy Spirit. Is this Peter in his talent? Is this Peter in his ability? No, this is Peter what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Said to the rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Man, I love that. I love that. The world sets up this situation expecting that these men will crumble, that they will fall back to their old ways, that they will display weakness and cowardice, that they will try to explain their way out of it. And instead, in that moment, what happens? God transforms that coward who denied Christ into a man who stands before them and goes, in whose name? In Jesus of Nazareth's name. In the name of the one you killed. In the name of the one you rejected. In the name of the one who defeated death. In the name of the one who was resurrected. In the name of the one and the only by which you can know God. In his name, I did this. Subtitles would say, if you thought I was going to back down, you were wrong. I ain't moving. I'm not afraid. I'm not a coward. And I ain't going back. And what I love is these men who had set this up to break him now are actually kind of back on their feet. It says when they saw that boldness, they were astonished. Reminds me of that moment when they came to arrest Jesus in the middle of the night with a whole battalion of troops. And they said, where is he? And he goes, I am he. And the troops fell back. The enemy came to shake him and he shook them. And now his people do the same thing. That's transformation. The moment people look at you and in a glimpse go, I see Christ. I don't see you anymore, I see Jesus. Man, that boldness, that power, that love, that's not of you, that's of Him. The moment that happens, that's when you know you're on the right path. And brothers and sisters, too many of us have given that up as an impossibility. Some of us have taken on this victim mentality and we ride the whole rest of our likes like it's just amazing that we're even here. By the grace of God, I'm even here. And God's going, by the grace of God, you're even here. I have transformed you. I broke those chains. I'm filling you with power. You're not here to get trampled on. You're here to go change the world. Yeah so you and I have got to stop because there's some of us, these chains have been broken, but we still act like slaves. For some of us, this life is gone. God has defeated those enemies. He has pushed them aside. He has given you strength, but you're still sitting here going, I can't. Not strong enough. Not powerful enough. I just hope I can get through. I mean, be honest. How many of you, that's your prayer each week? Just get me through the week, Lord. Just get me through the day, Lord. Is that what he died for? To get you through? He died to make you a force to be reckoned with. He died to make you a people that every day, every single day, people should be looking at you going, I see Jesus in you. I see a boldness in you. I see a power in you. And it should scare them. If we're not living like that, then that means we're still living back in that old way of life. Shed the chains and move. Stop pursuing your own will and listen to Him calling. Let Him transform you. You can't transform yourself. Only He can. Only He can. He sets us free. He transforms us. And all of it is through Him. <laughs> Dearly Fathers, we come before you, Lord. I just pray that we are a people. Not only our chains have been broken. Not only are we no longer slaves to the sin of this world, Lord. But Father, we are your people marching forward. That in our chest is the Holy Spirit, Lord. It fills us, it strengthens us, emboldens us, Lord. Father, I pray that each and every one of us, even if it's just baby steps, that we are taking them forward. That each day, Lord, we look back and see we are closer to you. Father, make us a people to be reckoned with. Make us the body of Christ. Make us your instrument in this world, Lord, that is light in the midst of darkness, that is love in the midst of hate. Father, I pray that we are your people and that we look like you. Father, we pray these things in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask Marie to come up and lead us. Are you already up? Lead us in our song. I'll be down at the front. Brother James will be in the back. If you have anything that you need to pray with somebody about, you feel free to come forward. Or as always, seek us out after service. You are not alone in this journey. You have God the Father guiding us, and you have the body of Christ around you. Let's go, Lord.
1: Let's all stand. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? your regrets and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy For the ashes of new life is born Jesus is calling The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There's still time to come forward. Savior Isn't he the precious blood of Jesus Christ
0: People said, "Amen." Move over here. Try that again. As always, it is such a blessing to be here with you guys. This is the most beautiful place in the world, God's house, surrounded by God's family. And I encourage you. Remember, He has given you a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Go show that. Go show that. He's giving you a mission. Go make disciples that love God, love people, and follow Jesus. So get to it. I love you guys. Have a great week.
1: What is this love that won't read?